So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, (laughs) uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcast. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a bait or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas put a goddamn permanent hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? Just said I just that's like, my hero. You gonna hurt the perm? First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. By the time you hear this podcast, you'll think you're from Brownsville. Michelle from Best Style is checking us out. Dre B checking us out. Ace Key from Brownsville.
Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are back with another episode, episode 203. Woohoo! So, uh, you're just now realizing we, 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 we passed that goal line already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, thank you everyone who's downloaded listened so far. We definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah. we're going to keep on going. So, um... Let's get into some music news, uh, not to see, just to get this out of the way, but um, some uh, some sad news that happened uh, a few days ago. Uh, Sinead O'Connor, um, who we associate her with the song um, that I would say it would it changed her life. Um, more ways than one in, yeah in a lot of ways in a lot of unexpected ways <laughs> and um yeah we still like know her even if if she's if you consider her a one hit wonder or or not either way you know that the name that the song and everything that came with it uh so uh Sinead O'Connor passed away a few days ago uh, she was 56, I believe. Correct. Um, and uh, as of right now, no cause of death has been reported. Um, it is possible that uh, police say that uh, there's no foul play. It's not suspicious. So she may have taken her own life. We're not exactly um, sure. Uh, what yeah. happened? Um, some reports say that she was suffering from bipolar disorder. Um, there were some text messages that she sent that were filled with despair and sorrow, and that came from Bob Geldof. Um, I know that name. Who is he? Uh, is he? A, he's like a manager. No, the uh, musician producer. He did okay, uh, okay. The, uh, Live Aid. Yeah. Okay. That's the, okay. He was yeah. he was on my my try hard list because. Uh. But anyway, besides that, <laughs> um, so she uh, uh, not many people. Uh, well, I I mean I, the investigation I guess is still ongoing, so yeah. we're not sure about the exact cause of death. But uh, of course, tributes around the world. Um, I think from her not being in the public eye as much um, following the SNL uh, incident, if you want to call it that. Um, she had made some mu some new music. She had been touring and performing and all that. So there was still a following uh, for her. Um, so this it does come as a, as a shock. Cause I think, I, I think I read she was working on some new music or a new tour, something, something new was, was, uh, in the works. Um, yeah. but for those who don't know, she was known for the song, nothing compares to you. Um, her version came out in 1990. I believe the song was written by Prince. Um, and a lot of things that came with that, uh, 
her infamous meeting with Prince <laughs> after the song became a hit. Um, that was yeah, funny and scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, when she performed on uh, Saturday Night Live, um, she infamously ripped up a picture of the Pope saying "Fight the real enemy." Um, and it after turned out war by Bob Marley after, yeah, after seeing war by Bob Marley, mm-hmm. I think it was an acapella version of it. Yep. It was just so, her. No, nothing else backing her. Yeah. Very powerful moment. Um, and it took people a while to, uh, figure out what she meant by that. Yeah. That's the <laughs> ultimate. She turned out to be right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's just, to me, it's disgusting what happened to her. Um, but that's the power of religion, right? Yeah. You know, like nobody wanted to believe that what she was, that she could be right. And I often wonder, you know, what her career could have been if that never happened, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, so um, rest in peace to Sinead O'Connor. Um, I did find a documentary about her. I think that just came out or maybe last year or so. Uh, oh, nothing compares? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's something I definitely want to check out. Um so another thing that's that uh, another controversial figure um, and Ben brought up someone related. I mean, as far as like uh, us also embroiled in controversy. Um, but but first, for a good reason. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so um, uh, Jason Aldean uh, with the song Try That in a Small Town. Uh, it's become a hit song. Um, this is this is the Morgan Wallen effect, uh, and what I mean that's is, the closest thing I can think of. <laughs> what I mean is when you know we first mentioned Morgan Wallen, uh, and with the the incident of of what he said, um, sales went up, and they have stayed up for like the last three years. Yeah. Uh, with Jason Aldean's case. If it's, uh, I don't know if it is right now because I haven't looked at the charts, but it's going to be the number one song in the country on the Hot 100. <laughs> oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God. I I don't predict that he'll have the run that, that, that Morgan Wallen has had because no. after a while... That went from we were we were supporting the guy who dropped an N bomb to I've got some real fans because I'm pretty sure they dropped off when he did the when he did the collab with Lil Uzi Vert they yeah. dropped off they're like not my Morgan Wallen um, <laughs> <laughs> and so now he's just being carried off of just you know him alone this is hilarious though um, I'm curious to see who's gonna who's gonna try it next. I'm well, I mean, it can't see. be. It has to be someone who's, I guess, uh, closer to being a, a newer artist. Like, I don't expect Alan Jackson, or um, not to say that he's made a song like this, but just like older, older artists who have that popularity. Um, to so, well, and I mean, it's like, not, and it's not, it's, and the thing is, it's not even the song. It was the video. Yeah. Yeah. The song, the song on its face doesn't really mean much. The song in its face just sounds like that. It sounds like um, the embodiment of "You're not from around here." Yeah. 
you know, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. <laughs> Even though he's from Macon. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, people try to, like, say, like, you're not even from a small town. If you've been to Macon, it might be, like, spread out to where, you know, if you're looking at square footage or square miles or whatever of it, it may I sound think- like a big city. <laughs> But if you've been there, it's it's a small town. It's not like there. There's a bunch not of, much going on. Yeah, there's not a. I just put it, it this way: like people Atlanta. are upset. Don't look people like are upset that it has more than one um, stoplight. <laughs> that's everything. That's everyone I've seen on TikTok going in on him is like, "I'm from a small town. That's our stoplight." It's like, the, the okay, one. you're from a you're from a you're from a blip. That's where you're, <laughs> you're from. One of those uh, uh, unincorporated. Uh, towns. Some guy was like, yeah, 64 people in my graduating class. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, look, there were only 200 in mine, but there were like eight high schools in my county, so it was pretty spread out. But yeah, <laughs> um, I think that uh, well, for those who aren't aware of this story at all, um, <clears throat> With Jason Aldean, with the with the song, uh, the the video is what the the controversy is coming from. Yeah, where um, they showed footage of Black Lives Matter protests and uh, also filming scenes in front of a courthouse in uh, Tennessee, where um, yeah. a black teen was lynched, literally lynched on the steps or at the you know in front of that courthouse. Um. So it's um, it does come off as this is um, that this had the racist racist undertones or overtones. I'm not sure which word it would be at this point, but uh, that's what a lot of people are citing. And that's the controversy with the song. Um and he's being Aldine is on tour right now. Protesters have been coming up to him, uh, have been coming to his shows. And um, what was that? This is from American songwriter. Uh, a group of protesters gathered outside the Xfinity Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. And then the show was rescheduled. Well, this was it was a rescheduled show uh, after Aldine suffered a heat stroke during the first show two weeks ago in the same place. Um, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. It gets that hot in Connecticut? <laughs> it does. It really does. Especially if you Oh, I forgot. Water. You spent a summer yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, the protest was organized by Camorra's Cultural Corner and titled Small Towns Against Hate and encouraged attendees to wear ballroom attire. I don't know where that came from. but Because uh, you don't wear that in a small town. I don't know. That seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so of course they were protesting the the video. Uh, Columbia, Tennessee, is the town and the site of yeah. a 1927 lynching, and had what? There's some, some other things that happened there as well. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's known for that prominently. But a few other things that have been racially motivated as well in the past. So it seems for him to say like, "Oh, he didn't choose the location. He didn't know." It almost kind of seems like, I mean, that's what I'd say too. If y'all accusing me of being a racist, like I don't, I don't direct my videos. Okay, bro. I'm sure someone came to you and at least ran it by you. 
at at the, at the very best. But what shows that deny, people deny, deny. that people don't like researching anything? Um, you know, we find this out after the fact, and perhaps it was the director or the you know the production designer for the video that chose these locations, and. Well, and they just went by. Yeah, Jason, it's, you know, it's a small town. See, it's got a courthouse, you know, the one stoplight, <laughs> you know, the Dairy Queen. Um, so <laughs> well, I'm just thinking now, like, I guess, you know, if, if we do believe that he did not know, like his manager comes to him as like, Jason, we've got a problem. You know, the courthouse we filmed in front of, you're not going to be what happened. <laughs> He's like, what? I, 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 I told you as soon as I found out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just making light of a situation, but it, it is in addition to that. So at that point, would the video have already been done? Was the, I'm pretty <laughs> you sure. think the video it's was probably, already, it was probably, already on YouTube? <laughs> it's probably out by then. You know, like it's one of those, like somebody's getting, getting fired type situation. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to that, there's a TikTok video as well that had clippings, a newspaper clipping in it. And if people, I guess, TikTok sleuths, if you zoom in on the newspaper article, you find out that it's about um, the NAACP going into a small town. Not the NAACP, excuse me, but someone, a white person who supported, who was an ally to the NAACP back in the day and how ostracized and, and you know, he was by... The community of a small town mm. and so there's there's a lot of it's it's kind of like one of those like playing 3d chess type things you don't expect that um and granted i don't know how much of this stuff he manages i i know there's been a lot of stuff coming out recently about like after this song and the video well actually i had a racist experience with them people coming out of the woodwork so i don't, I don't want to give him complete deniability but like some of the things in here from a racism standpoint are like 3d chess like, you've got to understand history to know them. It's like Bill Burr said, racism isn't the guy, get out the pool. That's not it. He's like, racism is quiet. It's hidden. It's like, you know, you check to see if the coast is clear. And this, is, I think, is a perfect, that's the first thing I thought of. I'm like, they're playing 3D chess here and did not anticipate that people would go this far and research this much and bring these things up. Uh, and now you're, you're on your back feet trying to scramble. I'm like, no, that's not what we meant. And that's that's an underrated thing, uh, as far as people will go and like look. You know, they're checking everything in the frame. Like, yeah, you you. One thing that I I noticed in this, this uh, and how it kind of connects here, but if you ever see on social media where some influencer or some celebrity is making a video, but it's more just like something impromptu, like, hey guys, I just wanted to. Uh, tell you that, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're going on tour um, and we're going to put the dates out very soon. So or, you know, I'm putting out some new music or, you know, something like that. And while they're saying that when they start, if something mm -hmm. in the frame is off, like if their hair is wet, they're like, oh, excuse mm -hmm. my hair. I just washed it or <laughs> but they do that because somebody in the comments is going to say like, Oh, why is your hair wet? Or why is your hair dry? Yeah. Or do you, you didn't notice that, you know, crumb in your beard 
or yep, you know, what's that mark on the wall? Like people are like looking for other things in the frame, other than actually paying attention to the yeah. video. So they're going to they're going to pay attention to other things in the frame. Like someone saw whatever county it is courthouse <laughs> and looked that up and found yeah. that this lynching took place. So uh, and then also like I said they had uh, footage of Black Lives Matter protest edited in. Yeah, which was uh, which was kind taken of out, yeah yeah was then <laughs> taken out since taken out, um, but it was in the original excuse me, the original version of the video. Um, CMT yeah, that's kind of where you get the two plus two. <laughs> it's like there's Black Lives Matter footage and this courthouse. I think Come he's on, trying man. to send a message. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, CMT pulled I, I it from its rotation. It'd just, um, it just be so funny to find out he's like secretly like the biggest BLM donator. He has to like pull tax records to show <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that'd be funny to me. I know that's not the truth, but I just think in my messed up mind to find that type of stuff out, it'd be like, oh, my bad. <laughs> and then you find out the director um, is a descendant of a KKK Grand Wizard. Um, let's see what else came out here. Okay, so Aldine put out a statement. Uh, this was two weeks ago uh, after the video came out. He said, the past 24 hours I've been accused of releasing a pro-lynching song a song that has been out since May and was subject to the comparison that I was not too pleased with the nationwide BLM protests for him to see BLM. That can be a clue. Two plus two. Because anyone who is against BLM, they they say BLM. They don't say black lives matter. They say BLM because for them to say it, um, I feel like is some it, people is, like wait for them to say it, it and then they can like yeah. cut it and, and, and then splice it in with some other audio <laughs> and their career will be ruined. <laughs> so on August 1st, Jason Aldean was heard saying that he supports Black Lives Matter. <laughs> and the audio is clearly different. And I support <laughs> Black Lives Matter. And I will all- <laughs> Oh man. He could never play in a small town again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He also said uh, these references are not only meritless, but dangerous. There is not a single lyric in the song that references race or points to it. And there isn't a single video clip that isn't real news footage. Well, I can try and respect others to have their own interpretation of a song with music. This one goes too far. Uh, he also referenced the uh, Harvest Music Festival in 2017, where he was the headline performer, and it was the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. Um, oh, that's is that the one in um, Vegas? Yeah. I forgot he was there. Holy crap. Yeah. Oof. Um, so... Um, I think, for, for me, I, I don't think... He is completely free of blame on this. Um, Only because, you know, what kind of say does he have in selecting locations and what research is he actually doing? So, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but while there's that at the same time, um, 
there is still going to be that that level of responsibility if people find something and point it out. Yeah, as they say, the buck stops here. Like you're ultimately, no one knows who the director of the video was. No one knows the production no. team. No one knows these things. So it's kind of up to you to make sure that you're protecting your image. And that's why I kind of have a hard time buying it because he's one of those country artists that protect that like has an image, you know? And unfortunately, that's a part of the image yeah. <laughs> is, 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 you know, is that. So it's when you come out and say, I didn't know these things and blah, 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 because those sorts of country artists have spent so much time crafting this image and pandering to that type of crowd. It just kind of makes it hard to believe that this is the one time you didn't, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, it, I'm pretty sure, like, if they were like, oh, that's a great location, he'd probably take credit. Like, yeah, I chose <laughs> it for, you know, Dr. King spoke here. You know, he'd probably take credit for it. Yeah. So, yeah. It, 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 it cuts both ways. Um, yeah, so it does. <laughs> he, not to, I'm, yeah, he can, by simply denying it, that doesn't really, that doesn't do anything for those who are offended and put off by the whole thing. So yeah, the offended are going to continue to be offended no matter what. Yeah. Does that, Even does, and, you, and this probably still won't mean that he'll like have a say in, you know, they want to shoot in another small town for the next video. He's probably still not going to do research on it on like, Oh, you know what? No, there was a, there was a ter terrible uh, murder of a, a black teen here back in 1937. Um, you know, on this very spot at this stoplight. So we can't yeah. do, we can't film <laughs> the video here. So oh, another um, one of those yeah. scenarios, the man just running, Jason, wait, wait, <laughs> stop, stop. Cut the cameras. Cut the <laughs> and it's like the director's like one second from saying action. And no, no. no. <laughs> You're not going to believe what happened here, Jason. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, you know, and I, and if he, and if all of that is true and he really did not know, then this kind of sucks for him, you know? Yeah. Um, because it's one of those things where the, the controversy is front page, but the apology is like the fifth page. Yeah. Like no one cares that not, and I mean, I guess I'm not saying this as someone who says what, what Morgan Wallen did was right, but I swear Morgan Wallen did more than anyone I've ever seen slip up who slipped up and said the N word. Like he went on like a tour, yeah. Nashville with the NAACP, NAACP and, chapters and yeah, he. But like you know, no one really cared. I guess I'm surprised that he sold that many records after doing that. Like I, but he, they see that as he conceding. Got, he got both. <laughs> no, he got he got both sides of it, right? Oh, so he got oh, okay. the. Uh, he didn't really do anything, so I'm going to support him even harder. Yeah. And then he got the, well, he's redeemed himself, so I'm going to support him again. Touché, the, that's touché. even more people. See, he, he got both sides of the coin. Uh, so what so, you know, And in a way, Jason then. Aldean, he, uh, well, in a way, he got both sides of the coin. Even though with Morgan Wallen, there's probably still that, like, you know, people looking at him like giving him the side eye a little bit like I'm I'm keeping my eye on you 
Uh, but I think with Jason Aldean, it's it's still the same. It, it's it's a similar situation. It's just with one song rather than three albums <laughs> worth of support. Now, now what he's got to do is he's got to film a video in like Atlanta. Like in the uh, like but the, in what neighborhood? Though? What neighborhood? The black, the blackest part the of Atlanta, and he's got to do it with the artist from Atlanta, like, but not as cringy as like Brad Paisley. Like, we don't need an accidental racist part two. No, <laughs> we don't need that. I kind of feel like Brad owes us for that. Like that was. Bad. But then, like, that what was... level? What level of artist from Atlanta in which, um, in which I don't black know. people would be okay with it? Like. Is Future going to work with him? Probably not. Is T.I. or Ludacris going to work with him? I'm not so sure about that. Um, Are there any country rappers from Atlanta? Blanco Brown's Blanco from Tennessee, Br- right? Um, I don't know. I don't recall or, uh, where Blanco Brown is from. He might be from Tennessee. And I was also thinking uh, Breland as well. Mm, mm. But I don't know if he's from um... Blanco Brown is from New York, so oh, mm. that don't even New York City. You can't work <laughs> with him. You can't work with him. Let's don't see turn where, on uh, me. Breland is from. He is from New Jersey. He's from New Jer- okay, he was born in born in New Jersey. Born in New Jersey, right? No, yeah, that's what it says. Born in New Jersey. I don't know if he moved. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't look like he moved. No, he but went I mean, to boarding school a lot in New of... Jersey. And then with the college, there were a lot of rappers up there who were inspired by the South anyway. So I mean, I mean the whole ASAP squad was inspired by Southern rap. It would, you know what? It It would have to be. It makes sense. It would have to be, and kind of maybe kind of segue into the uh, the other artist you wanted to mention on this. Uh, It might have to be uh, Lil Nas X. That's the closest we got. Filming (laughs) in College Park, get some black cowboys, um, and maybe we got something going. Yeah. Maybe we can maybe we can send this to his people and and he could become the new redeemable irredeemable. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Aldean. I'll be I'll be very curious to see, you know, does he lean in or or just what does he do? I'll, I'll just be very curious to see that cuz ultimately music is a form of expression. Like we said, it was the music video that caused the issue. That's the director's form of expression. Uh we just have a right to of course, you know, not support it. That's what makes this country great, I guess. But um, I'll be curious to see where he, how how he reacts to this, because apparently on tour, like you said, with the statement he released on tour, he's been vehemently declaring that he does not mean that. Deny, deny, deny. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Because cancel culture comes for your heart. It might not last, but it, it comes for your heart. You know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the other artist you mentioned, Tyler Childers, uh, there's a controversy or at least a conversation around, uh, his most recent music video. Is that right? For all the, all the separate reasons, all the completely 180. So Tyler Childers, who's kind of falls into that outlaw country, um, um, subgenre more of a, sounds really to me more of like a folk singer but definitely is blue collar um sings about you know his dad working in the mines like all of those sorts of things the type of stuff you would hear people in like the 60s and 70s singing about not now 60s and 70s 
And so he has a song called In Your Love, you know, love song, you know, it's a good song. And um, a lot of people apparently liked it. And then he made the video and in the video, it depicts um, a gay relationship between two coal miners. And his fan base is just losing their mind. <laughs> um, yeah, they just they they don't know how to take it. They're very upset. Um, some of them are just like, you know, is he just is he trying to push an agenda to make me like it? Because you and oh, yeah, so a lot of people has a lot of people that saying, word, you know, that word agenda. agenda. Yeah. What it has a lot of people, though, from the outside looking in and some of the people who are like who are true, you know, hardcore fans of his is he's weeding you out. <laughs> he doesn't like you. He doesn't like you guys. He doesn't want y'all coming to his shows. He doesn't want you supporting his music. He's happy to not have you as fans anymore. This is weeding you out, you know. These are the things he supports. He, you know, it, it, and it reminds me of um, recently. So I know you you remember how Bud Light during Pride Month and only Pride Month because that's how these companies do. Bud Light supported Pride Month, and there was the whole boycott from the right. Yeah, and Garth Brooks, who opened a bar in Nashville, was like, "We'll serve Bud Light, and if you don't like it, don't come." Like my bar does not cater to bigots and people got mad <laughs> called him a sissy and all this stuff. So it's just like, you, you're not gonna, you know, he's like, anyone is welcome in my bar. And that is Tyler Childers. Anyone is welcome. And just like Garth Brooks, he's weeding you out. Like, I don't know how much money Tyler Childers has made. I do know how much Garth Brooks has made. He definitely doesn't need you. <laughs> he's got he's got a few money as they say so and yeah. what's uh what's interesting is that i guess uh i haven't seen i haven't seen the video uh but i think people what tyler childers is doing is if if that is the case where he's weeding out those kinds of fans uh it may look like a risk because like, you know, get fans wherever you can get them. Yeah. But, you know, you want to have, you know, the audience is, is supposed to support you, not necessarily through no matter what, but at least if you do something a little different, um, a little, um, a little unique that, um, or even something that is going to, not necessarily it's not necessarily controversial but it starts a conversation then yeah. that is not a that doesn't come off as this huge problem with uh with hardcore fans you know um and i think as artists whether you know i, I don't know if he came up with the idea for the music video but he i'm sure he uh greenlit it like he's like okay i like that idea mm -hmm. um you know, it's not like uh, where he's doing something and it's going to be um, where he feels like, oh, if I do this, then all my fans are going to going to turn on me or or, you know, that's uh, that's like the primary concern, like kind of like with them. Um, I don't know if you've read or heard anything about like with Doja Cat saying that um, she doesn't credit her fans for her success. Ooh, and that's a dangerous thing to say. <laughs> but, 
but I, I, it may have come off a, a certain way to people, but I think what mm-hmm. I thought she was saying is that, you know, she was, her success came from her, from her hard work. Mm-hmm. And if she didn't have the fans that she has, then either she'd have different fans or she'd be doing something else. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. she, she was kind of railing against the notion where people say like, Oh, I wouldn't be anywhere without my fans. Oh, I'd be somewhere without fans. <laughs> That's basically what she was saying. <laughs> you know, my fans don't define me like that. Uh, so but I think with, from what you've described with, with Tyler Childers is that uh, they're doing, they, it's not, it's, it's, there's, there's no, I don't think it's an agenda to try to be more inclusive, but I think that there's this turn of with representation in different ways, not just with artists, but perhaps in music videos and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the kind of audience, the kind of fans that some of these, these, these artists will have, you know, like it's not going to be the same response that. And I, I feel like we should do an episode about this at some point since we've referenced it a lot from Seattle, the album, but with, oh. uh, <laughs> with the song, uh, same love, same love. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that probably that might've turned some fans off to Macklemore, but he got a new he got a, a new section of a new demographic for an, as an audience yeah. Um, with how he approached the song and, and the subject matter and everything. But that was what, 10 years ago. So he's, was that? Yeah. Oh my God. So with that being Ooh, 10 flies. years ago, <laughs> it would have been a totally different reaction to, um, to Tyler Childers video then now I mean even like it would be an even more intense possibly more visceral visceral reaction to his to this video yeah. and um maybe not so much for Jason Aldean but like I said I think from something that's not talked about very much is that people who watch these videos on social media or Dissect on YouTube, everything. they're checking for everything in the frame. Yeah. So you have to account for what everyone can see. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, and just like denying it, saying I didn't know, it's not going to be enough. It it may be like all you can say, but it's not going to be enough. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's true, it's not enough. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what I also find interesting yeah, too, so the video does not end with them dying of homophobic violence. It dies of oh. one of them having black lung. It doesn't get more blue collar. <laughs> what happened? Oh, my daddy died from black lung work in the mines. Like, yeah, I just thought that was, that was kind of like the. Oh, and you know what wait. someone you know what someone <laughs> wants to believe though, you know what, what someone wants to believe. Even though it's a, I don't know how true the story is. If they got it from something or they just this was just some a concept that they came up with. 
someone watching that video wants to believe that them being gay is what gave them black wow. lung. <laughs> Those people from um, the church, the um, that uh, that protests like funerals and things like that. Yeah, Westboro, Westboro. Yes, Westboro. <laughs> yeah, that's, they're like, yeah, that's what happened. He, he smote thee. He smote, <laughs> <laughs> he smote them with black lung. Not the mines, not the greedy, not the greedy corporations that made them work in the mines and made them live in shanty towns. No, it was homosexuality. Can't you see it, Greg? Can't you see it? Oh, I'm man. pretty. Yeah, I bet I, you they are having a field day with this video, and they're in Kentucky too. Yeah, <laughs> they're having a field day, praying over the miners. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Um, so yeah, two, two, uh, interesting, um, music videos. And you know what, what's interesting is that this still won't bring back the, how vital and how, um, how vital and how, how big the, the music video and how important it is. Mm-hmm. As far as like the popularity of an artist, um, yeah. I'm mean, talking about two music videos I personally have not watched, but Same. <laughs> as far as what's in them, you know, it gets people talking. And I think because if if indeed Jason Aldean is in, if indeed this song is number one, then this might be the new norm. Uh, oh yeah oh god yes controversy with the music video and then people can talk about it whether they've seen it or not and at the same time that's helping the success of that particular song well i mean it's always been though like you know the song i didn't realize the song's been out since may we're in we're in august yeah three months that's a slow climb um and now all of a sudden because of the controversy it's, and we've seen it in the past, though, like with controversial songs, music videos, even ones that don't deal with race. Maybe they deal with sex or sexuality or something controversial like that, you know, getting a lot of popularity just but just off of the fact that people are talking about it now. Oh, God, now I got to go listen to it and I got to go, you know, only now I think it's now it's, now I got to go support it. Like, I think we've gone from it being mostly out of curiosity to. I'm going to own the libs <laughs> and listen and listen to this song so that they have to, you know, so, and then you got Luke Combs over here. Um, just singing fast car, like the most unbothered man in country. <laughs> He's like out here. It's like, yeah, I just want to, you know, this song meant a lot to me as a kid. I just want to sing it. Is that okay? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those get get the microphone stuck in your face. Do you have any comments about Tyler Childers or Jason Aldean? Do, 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 do. Just start, just start I playing the song instead. <laughs> <laughs> just start just, just start singing the song instead. <laughs> no matter what they ask you, see his manager is saying, no matter what they ask you, just they start singing you. the song. Just, just sing the song. The song. <laughs> what if I just played the song? Play it again. <laughs> remind uh, them it's by a black woman so they know you're not racist 
<laughs> oh, that, Hold on, was Tracy Chapman lesbian? Uh, yes. Oh, boom. A black LGTB. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Let me check. Don't I think she the I think she is. Um and it was kind of like known at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, she's she never she has never publicly discussed her sexual orientation, but she did have a romantic relationship with Alice Walker, as in like the, the author purple. of the color purple. Interesting. Okay. That's different. But she doesn't she doesn't really talk about her personal mm. life in public. And it's so. none of our business. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like we 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 know. <laughs> we'll leave you alone, but we know. Um <laughs> uh, so um another story that, that came out. I mentioned this before we started recording. Uh, so, uh, Keanu Reeves, who we know for his acting in such hits as uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and um, uh, Speed. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was that movie he was in? Was it not Cool Hand Luke? What was the... Um... He did a sci-fi movie before The Matrix. I can't. Oh, Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Man, I forgot. Yeah, that's a you know. Now he's known as Constantine. I'm kidding. He's more known. (laughs) 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 Which apparently is pronounced Constantine, but um. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Johnny Utah. Um. Johnny Utah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, But for those who know, in the early 90s, I believe, that's when I first heard that he had a band. And still, I didn't heard any of his songs, but a band called Dogstar that had some kind of popularity. I don't know how much, but um, it it just seemed like the the side project uh, for him. Is is was that band, and after a twenty three year hiatus, they are coming out with a new album, and they will be going on tour, uh, starting this month. Uh, I think there were some tour dates announced. Yeah, tour dates have already been announced. August tenth will be their first show in Hermosa Beach, California, and if you're in the Atlanta area like us. They will be at center stage in December. I drove by there this weekend. Maybe I'll go catch Dog Star. I wonder how many people are to show up just because it's Keanu Reeves. I think a lot of people will show up uh, because it's Keanu Reeves and will be upset that, you know, that's this has nothing to do with John Wick. You know, there's going to be people like dressing up as him like that's what yeah. they'll do at his shows. They'll dress up as his characters with like um, with like toy dogs. Yeah, toy dogs, and um, I'm just trying to think what else they could dress up as. I, I want to try to make this a thing. I'm not gonna do it. I mean, dress I up as Johnny Utah. Well, uh, you know, uh, with a surfboard, they could dress as uh, which one was he? He was Ted. So Ted from Bill and Ted. What was his character's name? In the replacements, Shane Falco. Oh, Shane Falco. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Shane Falco, the comeback kid. 
But the thing is, if they're going to, they're going to throw stuff at him. <sighs> Shane Falco is going to throw a football. John Wick is throwing a dog. I do wonder how many of his fans now, like that know him as John Wick, actually have even seen the replacements. If they've like, seen they Bill and Ted, is. if they've seen, yeah, uh, uh, whichever Dra- I think it was just Dracula, which he was like kind of terrible. Devil's and advocate. Devil's- <laughs> <laughs> like, because you for- I, you forget sometimes he's pushing sixty. He's been doing yeah. this for a long time. Yeah, I think because he, you know, he's one of those actors that doesn't age very poorly. He just started doing this. I'm like, oh yeah, The Matrix was his first. No, The Matrix was not his first movie. I think his first movie was <laughs> if it wasn't River's Edge, which I watched in it for a college class. Mm-hmm. That was like 1986. Well, I know he was maybe? the love interest in Rush Rush for Paul Abdul. Well, yeah. What what? So he's he's been at this for a while, a very long career, and. um so I just feel like some of the, if someone did show up to his show dressed up, they're probably not gonna go before the Matrix. They're gonna be like, you know, who who the hell is Shane Falco? <laughs> the replace what? Like the replacements? Yeah, you know, they. It's based on the on the Washington Football Team, which I just think is a better name than the Commanders. But you know, it's based on the Washington Football Team and the strike and blah. Yeah, they don't care. So I just think that'd be funny to dress up at his shows. I might see if I can make that trend. <laughs> He probably wouldn't like it either, because <laughs> no, I think he didn't will be co- use his name. It would be completely unrelated to <laughs> to the band. Yeah, and I think back then he was trying to not use his name to get them any sort of notoriety. So, like, I just I don't think he really cared for that. Now, Jesse, if he uh... plus he's the bass player too. No, no, nothing wrong with bass players, but you know he's the bass player, so I don't even think he sings. Um. No. He's not They're, like Jared yeah. Leto. They have they have t- their 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 guitarists are singers are the singers. But do they say he? Oh, he's a he's a backing he's a backing vocalist. Yeah. Well, like you like you have I'll use the phrase you use often. The rest of the band knows where their bread is buttered. So, oh yeah, they know who people came to see. <laughs> oh, they're oh they're extremely happy. They're like, who called Keanu? Bet, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> They've been waiting. All right, so one more story here. Um, so Travis Scott had a show planned to be at the Giza pyramids, and it was canceled. Uh, it was supposed to be. Uh, this past Friday and it was canceled two days before uh, following pushback from the Egyptian musicians syndicate and a statement from live nation that cited complex production issues as a reason for the cancellation and the show could not, it was sold out tickets were sold out, but it couldn't be constructed in time. Um, and refunds have been issued. Uh, and there was resistance from the Egyptian Musician Syndicate uh, responsible for the issuance and approval of concert permits. And they said uh, they uh, on July 18th, 
So 10 days before the show, they decided to cancel the permit. <laughs> um, and they cited his performance contradicted Egypt's authentic societal values and traditions. And uh, no changes were going to be made to the show. If that's what they were asked for, Live Nation Middle East uh, said that there were no changes to the show. Um, and prices range from $129 for premium tickets to $210 for VIP tickets. But this is in Egypt. So how American fans are spending more money if they wanted to go there. And yeah. the way that people spend money for things related to Travis Scott, not to say that it's bad, but it's, it's interesting that it's not talked about very much. Like if there, if he has a, a pair of um, Jordans, a pair of Jordans and the check, the yeah. Nike check is the other way. Uh, that's what makes him different. And that's what can drive up the price thousands of dollars. Or if he has the special, uh, I think there was a Reese's peanut butter puffs, the cereal, there was like a special Travis Scott edition of the cereal and people were buying the box unopened for thousands of dollars. So things related to him, uh, there is a fan base that will spend a lot of money uh, to have Travis Scott related items. And uh, there was, I don't know if it actually happened, but there was some story that came out that some guy sold his house um, for Travis Scott tickets. And he, let me see if this is a real story. That he. That's uh, so dumb if he did. That's so dumb. Um. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, the story came out. I think the day before the show was officially canceled. Um. Oh, so okay, it was uh, not real. Wasn't real. Wasn't real. I was about to say he sold his house for a canceled (laughs) concert, bro. I would be sick. I would be so sick. Not to mention, how small is your house? If like that's the trade. Okay, so like it was you? it was a guy on TikTok <laughs> made a video of him standing next to his alleged house with a for sale or slash sold sign and waving a bunch of keys and then it cut to a video of Egypt from an airplane and then Travis oh, Scott was where he was going to the show and then the show gets canceled two days before. Mm. What was that? Mm. Sound like a smart t- smart something. The machines. Mm, okay, <laughs> they're coming after me. Um, <laughs> but um, it turned. Yeah, that was that was a a prank because I hadn't seen. I saw like a tweet about it, but I didn't see any other stories. Okay. So that that would be ridiculous. Yeah. So that that would have been crazy if that actually happened. <laughs> um. But yeah, do you think? What what do you think of the um of the show being canceled uh and you know playing in another country and there's all these hoops apparently that he had to jump through. I I don't even know, man. Like it's 
are we still punishing him for Astro World? Who knows? I'm, I would like to know what sort of decency standards or whatever. Um, I didn't know there was a Live Nation Middle East. I knew that the um, there's a lot of things that they don't approve of in that part of the world. And maybe they just, I don't know, the last minute, because why would you even book it? Yeah. You know, if you know who he is, you know what he does. Um, Maybe there's got to be something else there. And maybe that's their out. It's a lot of people lost a lot of money that I can tell you that much. It just, I, I would have just let the show go on. You know, it's too much money. Um, that's just me. I wanted to say that my, uh, my mom is watching the stream and, uh, mm-hmm. this her response to the, the cereal. <laughs> she said for some cereal, I am a mental health professional and I am accepting new patients. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when it comes to yeah, when it comes to Travis Scott, people will there there are some people who will buy anything with yeah his name on it. Um, so yeah, no but that that cereal what. box thing is a is a real that was a real thing. Um, so uh, that will do it for our music news. We can get to the cover song of the week. Um, hopefully, it, well, there's still no playlist for this segment. So I don't know <laughs> if I played this song or not, but uh, we're winging it here, baby. We're yeah. winging it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I remember I first listened to this album. I got it at the library. I was going to the library to get uh, CDs all the time um, and finding like rare, a lot of rare things. So um familiar with Mark Ronson, who is, uh, oh, yeah around again uh whose whose name is being mentioned again because he did the uh produced the soundtrack for the barbie movie uh oh really yeah. okay yeah um so uh this is going to his album um i think it's called versions uh and um he does a cover of god put a smile on your face the Coldplay song. You have not played that, but I've heard this. Featuring the Daptone horns. And um yeah, I I this was a very this was a very unique take on that kind of song. Uh so to to put that kind of spin on it, I I really like it. Yeah. So this is Well I'm, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well so you've heard the whole album, right? Yeah. Okay, because I was like it's so inspired by that era of music. In terms of how he does his covers, oh yeah, the like I almost feel like the Scott Motown, Bradley ju- stacks, yeah. Um, like that, I feel like they heard that album yeah. and was like, let's make a band around that. Like I feel yeah. like that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, Mark Ronson featuring the Daptone Horns. God put a smile on your face, and we'll be right back.
That is God Put a Smile on Your Face. Mark Ronson featuring the Daptone Horns. Uh, from the album Versions. Came out from 2007. Yeah, this is the album also that had the cover of Valerie. Yeah, with, Amy Winehouse. Um, Amy Winehouse, as well as uh, my introduction to this album was um, the song he did with Jason Schwartzman. Um, not Jason Schwartzman, but the lead singer from Phantom Planet, the cover of the uh, Radiohead song, Just. Yeah. I, I was playing, as a matter of fact, I never get it. I was playing NBA Live. It was one of the NBA Lives. I was in there with Justin, and he was like, I know this song. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knew the Radiohead version. I'm like, okay. I'd never heard it. I was, you know. He also does a, a cover uh, remix of uh, Britney Spears' Toxic. Featuring ODB. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. He loves that kind of music, man. He loves it. Yeah, we, we hear the we hear the influence uh, pretty much in everything he does. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to the charts. And as of this week. So next week. It will be number one, but this week's number one is seven by Jungkook featuring Lotto. I have not heard this song. It debuts at number one, debuting at number two as of this week is try that in a small town. Jason Aldean uh, projected to be number one next week. Number three. Um. Number three, Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Uh, so it drops down this week, but <laughs> uh, number four. So what's projected next week is number one will be Jason Aldean. Number two, Morgan Wallen. And number three, Fast Car by Luke Combs. That will be one, two, three next week. Is country having a moment right now? <laughs> That's what it looks like. Like, when's the last time? Has this ever happened? I don't know. That's just, it's wild. Some There's some people who probably wouldn't even call this country. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, number, uh, so Fast Cars number four this week. Number five, Calm Down by Rima and Selena Gomez. Number six, Fuck You Mean by Gunna. Number seven, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo. Number eight, Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. Number nine, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. And number 10, All By Life by Lil Durk featuring J. Cole. Um, still not familiar with a lot of those <laughs> songs. Uh, Billboard 200, these are the top 10 albums. Number one, and it was number one last week, Speak Now, Taylor's version uh, is number one. Number two, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Number three, Genesis by Peso Pluma. Number four, Midnights by Taylor Swift. Number five, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. Number six, Lover by Taylor Swift. Number seven, SOS by SZA. Number nine, excuse me, that was number seven. Number eight, Pink Tate by Lil Uzi Vert. Number nine, Gift and the Curse by Gunna. And number 10, Folklore by Taylor Swift. This is just so weird, man. Streaming has to be doing to the charts what SoundScan did 
back like you know 20 plus years ago like it's just this is so weird i don't think there's any other era where you could have this many albums by like the same people <laughs> it's just so weird to, i don't know that's just so weird to me this is a this is a weird timeline that we're in yeah weird um so the artist 100 well, is, country's is, having a moment. Country is having a moment. Number one, I guess Taylor Swift. Technically, she's some of its country. She some, just some re-released of, some of the stuff is country. Speak now is one a of her country albums. Yeah, she just re-released it, so I guess you could say, yeah, uh, this is weird. So number one is Taylor Swift. Number two, Morgan Wallen. Number three, Jason Aldean for all the wrong reasons. Uh, <laughs> number four, Luke Combs. Number five, Jungkook or Youngkook. Um, Number six, SZA. Number seven, Peso Pluma. Number eight, Drake. Number nine, Post Malone. Uh, I believe just came out with a new album, or it's coming out very soon. And number 10, Ed Sheeran. Um, I will say this, Jason Aldean was ranked number 100 last week. <laughs> He's going to be number Dude, I'm one I'm telling next you, week. man. He's going to be number one. This is like... I'm gonna start calling these. If if we start seeing this happen more, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna start calling them controversy Larue's. <laughs> like that is that you are just living on controversy. Like I'm turning better. Pretty I'm soon, better. It's gonna be like a. It's gonna be like an arms race. <laughs> Who can be the most subtly <laughs> and just deny it, deny it, and someone just outright says it. Yeah, I don't like black folks. What like <laughs> y'all? <don't> like, <laughs> I don't like gay people. What? Like, they're just going to come out and like, okay, that guy wins. He's not even hiding. <laughs> he wins the controversy. <laughs> that's, that's where this is going, I feel. You know, it's just going to be say, I won't even I won't even talk to the NAACP <laughs> or glad. I won't talk to any of them. Or he just goes to spit in their face. <laughs> just Oh, he just he almost all the smoke. <laughs> he, he he leans. He just yeah, just like leans into it. He just leans into <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm trying to run away from it. <laughs> I'm going towards the fight. <laughs> oh man, um, I kind of want to see it. I want to see it just for the just I'm for the spectacle of it. I want to see it. <laughs> on who that who that artist could be? Who the. <laughs> I hope not, but it'd be funny to see. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Give us a lot of content. <laughs> uh, so I'll do it for our, our music news. Um, ben, why don't you tell us about your earworm of the week? I don't know much about this group. And apparently no one remembers them. I just know this song. Oh, came I out thought it was 90s. one guy. Oh, is it? I thought it was like a group of dudes. I can't tell. I guess and there's one you know. dude on the cover of the album, so I thought okay. I thought it was one guy. I thought I it thought probably he was... is. He was Tracy Lee. Yeah, yeah. he probably is. Because I know I've heard of like you know like Travis Porter is a, is yeah, a group. So I thought maybe they were, yeah they were like that, but you know. In any case, it's Tracy Lee. The theme, aka, is party time. <laughs> <laughs> was this in a movie? I feel like I have song, no was clue. Featured in a movie. I don't know. I just know. I just remember hearing it in Columbus a lot when I was growing up. <laughs> so this is the theme parenthesis. It's party time by Tracy Lee. And we'll be right back. Oh, 
It's party time, having a party. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Ha. Trey Lee, nigga. By storm. By storm. Ain't no mystery. By storm. Hard enough to death. By storm. Hard enough to death. No doubt. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. in the VIP section, Bip Sun sipping on French connections, dashing, decked in the latest fashions, flashing, niggas spending tax-free cash, 10 G stash, suddenly when the club scene smashed, ha, ass in the bunches, run with a sit tight, click with mics, get in your shit like, so better make sure your shit's tight, when I'm warm, shit is worldwide like Doc Hall, know the rock swarms, get up in the ass like Thong Strong Arm in the place, set alarm and race, got a fifth and it's all it takes for me to flip on slip, try to fun on to get your front chip on the chicks home with plus whips get a duck sick let it be known we got a song that don't quit is the theme parenthesis it's party time by tracy lee uh there's apparently a part two with yeah the pirate and buster rhymes i hadn't heard that one and uh you can find that on our bttyc earworms playlist right now it's from his album many faces 1997 Mm-mm-mm. good times back then Simpler times. So we started this episode with um, the song, a song called Buffalo Gals by, um, why am I forgetting the dude's name right now? <laughs> Malcolm McLaren. Also, oh, okay. I almost said Malcolm McDowell. Like, wait, that's not it. Um, Malcolm McLaren. Mal- that's Jack McDowell. Um, Jack McDowell. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell is an actor for those who okay. have seen A Clockwork Orange. Um, so, uh, uh, Malcolm McLaren, who we know more for being um, what's called an impresario and producer, he basically, uh, if you remember the band Bow Wow Wow? Yep, yep. Uh, he put that group together and. I think he also managed the Sex Pistols. Interesting. So, uh, but he he was also got into um, different cultures and fashion and art. And so once hip hop started becoming a thing, he he tried to do it. So he made a rap album. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But with that particular track, 
it was produced by Trevor Horn. And uh, we have an episode about Trevor Horn and his production techniques and history, um, many groups that he was involved with. And um, we do it because five of his productions. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. So for those not familiar with the Because Five format, we have a top five. Why? Because five. Five. <laughs> and we have two honorable mentions each as an excuse to play more music. So uh, we have our list. Ben, uh, who is your first honorable mention? All right. So first honorable mention is going to be Relax by the band uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I almost said Frankie says relax, but that was the phrase (laughs) that was used to kind of market this song in the 80s. But yeah, this song is so 80s. Um, And I'll admit what made me really fall in love with this song is um the mashup have you heard the mashup um uh with uh play that funky music so it's like funky says relax uh i don't think so for you i don't think so yeah yeah it's a mashup of those two songs and i started paying more attention to this song after that but i still like this song a lot and it to me just embodies the 80s and just it's just it's a lot of fun a lot of really great synth work in it. Love that part as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think with uh, with this song, it was very controversial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of controversy, very controversial because of its uh, its lyrics and kind of the band was uh, basically the song was about um, not having an orgasm. I think the kids nowadays call it, back. it call mm-hmm. it edging. Is the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, the song was written by the band, but produced by Trevor Horn for the album uh, "Welcome to the Pleasure Dome," and I think he played. I think he played bass on this song. He played the Lindrum, and he did some programming. I'm not. I'm not familiar with the Fairlight. It's a digital synthesizer. I think that might have been yeah. when he played bass. Yeah. Uh, this the, the, from the looks of it, this was an early version of a DAW. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't think yeah, there's this much was... real on this song. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> But uh, yeah, this was definitely a controversial song in the UK, um, but it ended up winning the best British single at the Brit Awards. Um, I think Franco's Hollywood, but this was basically like the single. In the 80s, you could have a single and be nominated for Best New Artist. Um, And then, of course, like you said, with the the t-shirt craze of Frankie Say Relax. um, Yeah. I I remember that being referenced in uh, The Wedding Singer. Someone had on a Frankie Say Relax shirt. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Yeah, so that is your first honorable mention. Um, I'm adding these to the list as we go. So, 
Um, all right, there we go. So my first honorable mention um, is uh, probably one uh, <laughs> when you hear it, like after hearing relax and then you hear this song, like, yeah, this was produced by the same person. <laughs> so this is a, uh, Wildest Dreams by Tina Turner featuring Barry White in your wildest dreams, but Do you uh, remember the episode of Oprah in the 90s? Her wildest dreams episode, and they use this as the backdrop of the of the episode? No. Interesting That's choice. That's where I first there, heard Oprah. it. <laughs> That's where I first heard it. Yeah. Oh baby. Yeah, I love that bass. Uh, yeah, the the bass line, oh, and uh, two people with That's with deep singing good. voices. <laughs> it mm-hmm. it just makes for a very uh, unique and uh, and sexy track that I don't think a lot of people talk about. This is one of those duets with two people that two artists that That's a lot of people baby. love. But don't really talk yeah. about you know this where they where they work together. So, um, and it's mostly spoken word, uh, but making it you know with the overproduction, the the extra bangs and zooms, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of like makes this track stand out. And um, to put a track together like this with these two, uh, yeah, I I really like it. And it's from her, from Tina Turner's album, Wildest Dreams. Uh, technically, well, on this version, it doesn't have Barry White's name as being credited. But that is Barry White on the song. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I feel like if you don't know that's Barry White. Something wrong with what's, you. What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, okay, so your second honorable mention. All right. So my second honorable mention, I feel like I'm going to kind of expose myself here, but I'm fine with that. Um, I've never seen the movie, but it is from Pearl Harbor and it is There You'll Be by Faith Hill. I almost said Faith Evans. I always do that, but um, it's. I don't know if they were if they were like, hey, this is the guy who did Kiss from a Rose Let's see if he can give us that same magic. Um, it's kind of a lesser known song by her, but still one that I really like. And um, <laughs> it's funny. So it was first offered to Celine Dion, who turned it down. Um, and I'd always heard at the time it came out, they're like, oh, yeah, they're trying to make this another. Um, another. Um, My heart will go on. That song? My heart will go on. Yeah. Yeah. Because it came out like just what? In 2001. When did Titanic yeah. come out? Was it 97, 98? Yeah, so. And I know that, like, um, uh, Michael Bay was like, this is going to be his Titanic. And it's like, kind of fell flat on his face. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I mean, just looking at after Titanic, you like, there was, someone was going to try this where, oh, yeah. Let's take uh, an historical event and put a fictional story around it. Yeah. And we're going to have this epic 
ballad of a song and yeah. uh yeah and you know it's going to be a successful we're going to have the stars you know who was it ben yeah. affleck and Liv tyler and josh hartman yeah. so cuba gooding cuba gooding who had a very Off small of his role. oscar yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um this song was written by the diane warren which is another reason i knew about it <laughs> back in the day because i followed her career um and i am so if you follow me on TikTok, you probably saw me post a video last week where I was like, hey, this isn't a song that I sang, but I'm thinking about putting it out. When I was writing that song, I was thinking about this song. <laughs> <laughs> um, I called it, I it, the working title of it was Country Ballad. Even though this is not a country ballad, Faith Hill is a country singer, but this was her attempt to break out of that. Like, I can do more yeah. than just country. And unfortunately, there was, just there was didn't an effort for her to like try to cross over, especially after Shania Twain's success. Yeah. Like, okay, let's see so, if we can get another one in there. Yeah. And it just didn't, you know, it didn't really happen for her like that, you know? She had her moment and then she just kind of, you know, faded to the background. Pretty much. Which truthfully shows, just makes what Shania Twain and now Taylor Swift have done even more impressive the fact that they were able to go from like country singers to like being amongst the biggest stars in the world everyone can't do it and faith hill was big at the time and she just couldn't do it you know probably not the best movie to hit your name to (laughs) (laughs) so you know also kind of makes you wonder like if celine dion did take it would it have been bigger or would people be like man celine dion has fallen off you know uh, maybe like oh they're, then it probably would have been more obvious that oh they're just trying to do that again yeah Titanic uh, part 2 <laughs> yeah even though it's not the same songwriters but it was the same the same idea as far as what they yeah. want to do with the song All and right. you have like mm-hmm. huge writer huge producer yeah so you know <laughs> um, so uh that was your second honorable mention. So my second honorable yeah. mention is a song by, um, I believe his name is Seal Henry Samuel. Yep. Uh, and it's a song called Don't Cry. Oof. It's a good one. Don't be so um, on I didn't realize until we did the, the episode about Trevor Horn, how much he had worked with Seal. Uh, this is one yeah. of those underrated musical marriages. Yeah. Um, where you have this, you have someone who doesn't have that, like, I don't want to say typical, but that kind of like expected R&B voice. Yeah. Even though they, you know, they sing with soul and with feeling and, and they're very good, but it's not something you associate with R&B. Seal has a pop voice. Mm-hmm. So, but someone who sings how he does, how do you, what do you do with that? Yeah. Um, There's a lot of places yeah. he can go. Yeah. And it's, I guess you got to find a producer that knows where to take him. You know, cause like, yeah, he's like got a soulful voice singing over like, I don't know if you call it Baroque pop, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's not soulful pop. This is not a soulful pop song, you know? 
it's grandiose, it's huge, it's epic. So this is yeah. this is we have an episode about it. This is sophisticated. Yeah. This is this is what what I mean by that. Um, so, and then with it being pop, like you can go to, you can go to different, you can go to a different place uh, yeah. with it. You can try different things, and you know he had a song like Killer, which is a kind of an industrial dark techno dance song. But as far as what he can do, this show, it, I think what Horn brought out is Seal's versatility and yeah. what kind of songwriter he could actually be. Seal wrote mm-hmm. the song, but Trevor produced this song. Yeah. So I think it kind of just showed, uh, yeah, it showed what what Seal could actually do if he was able to be more. If he, you know, he's not in this box. So what does he have? What can he do? basically do whatever he wanted as far as whatever mm-hmm. kind of song he wanted to make yeah and this is from the uh i know he had seal one two three four. I think, okay this is the I first think, seal or this might this is the second one i think this is still two yeah it and it's still called seal but this is seal two <laughs> <laughs> uh from 1994 so yeah um so that was my second honorable mention Make sure it's on the list. All right. All right, Ben, what is number five? All right. So let's keep this seal party going. Um, Waiting for you. By seal. They kept this relationship going all the way to the 2000s. <laughs> and uh, where did I hear this? Like, I know I heard it in a commercial. But I don't remember which commercial. Um, but then also on, we've talked about it before. This was one of those um, VH1 classics. Yeah. It was definitely the VH1 top 20. And I would hear it all the time. And it was one of those songs that like, it, I liked it when I first heard it. But it grew and grew and grew on me until I became obsessed with it. And I just love that chorus. Like it's, like it's just a very interesting chorus, you know? I still don't know the chord progression there, but I just love it. It sounds awesome. Uh, let's see where it and might have been. And he's just singing so hard here. <laughs> don't say where it was featured. Uh, I want to think it, it was like a computer commercial or something. Yeah, I feel like it was either for like maybe a computer or a phone. Like the newest flip phone, because this is 2003. So... Uh, yeah, but I, I remember being in. Yeah, I can't remember the product, but I'm sure it was in a commercial. Uh, this is from Seal gonna, Four. Find that. This is from Seal Four in 2003. Um, co-produced with Mark Batson, who is credited also as a co-writer. Um, this song only on the Hot 100 only went up to number 89. But on the Hot Dance Club playlist, it went to number one. Mm. I love that bridge, too. Or as Trevor calls it, a middle eight. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it's funny because I was recently listening to an interview with him and Trevor Horn. And because I'd always heard the term middle eight, and I didn't know if it was different from the term bridge. 
but the middle eight is essentially a change in chord progression for eight measures in the middle of the song. Because all bridges don't do that, but this is a straight eight measures of something different. And then back into the main theme. So apparently Trevor Horn, oh. when appropriate, yeah. When appropriate, yeah, because <laughs> Trevor Horn loves that term. He was like, oh, I love the middle eight, you know, so. That accent, but yeah. <laughs> All right, that is uh, Waiting For You. That's your number five. Mm-hmm. All right, so my number five. Um, I didn't know he produced this song, but it's one of those where now that I hear like, oh, okay, yeah, now it sounds like he produced this song. And it probably has one of the more, um, one of the earliest influential music videos and uh, it's a song called Cry by Golly and Cream. I don't know if I'm familiar with this one. So, Godly sounds and- like him though. It sounds like his work. <laughs> so, um, Godly and Cream, uh, if you're familiar with the band 10CC, with their yes. song I'm Not In Love uh, Golly and Cream mm-hmm. were in that band okay. and they were responsible for the for what I'm Not In Love is known for as far as how that song was put together uh, so when they branched off they put together they, they came out with their, their own project and with the, the it's known for the video in which you see people's faces and then it like um morphs into someone else's face but with this being the early 80s it wasn't like super clean but it was as clean as it could possibly be for the (laughs) early 80s Um, and that and you know with the editing for it it became um, you know it kind of pushed the the music video the music video concept forward um Probably one is it, uh, a video most famous for using the, the technique, I guess, as best as you could say it, is Michael Jackson's black or white video. That's what I thought of initially when you said that. Yeah. So with that video, the idea for that with the changing faces came from Golly and Cream's video for Cry. Okay. Um, and it was, also, it was one of those songs where the video helps the song become popular. Mm. But listening to the song by itself, um, it's uh, very it's very emotional. It sounds it sounds very heavy, and with there not being like a lot of focus on the percussion of it, and uh, a lot of and you know kind of using the synths and guitar being more on that rather than the percussion of it kind of makes it a unique sounding song to me. Yeah, it sounds very unique. Uh, I'm surprised I've never heard this though, but I love it. Man. So yeah, that is my number five. Um. All right, Ben. Uh, your number four. Where'd my list go? Hold on a second. 
All right. So my number four is um, Video Kill the Radio Star. feel like it needs no introduction. Um, <laughs> the song that literally, literally um, ushered in the era of killing the radio star. Like it did exactly what it said it was going to do. <laughs> Have we ever had a more literal song in history before? Yeah, this is the the song that launched MTV. The very first video played on MTV. Um, yeah, one of the most prophetic songs in pop history. Uh, like, I almost would say, like, this is one of those songs where if they didn't know any better, I'd say, oh, yeah, they asked them to write this. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were like, hey, we need a song to play when we start MTV. What you got? He's like, oh. <laughs> Got a song for you. <laughs> like, it was, it's perfect, you know? What I do wonder, though, is what does Christopher Cross think whenever he hears this song? Every time I hear this song, it's like, what does Christopher Cross think of this song? If only I'd been around 10 years earlier. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, he's probably thinking, like, if I'm, if I come out in the early 70s, I'm probably thought of in the same breath as Bob Dylan. Um, Art Garfunkel, not Art Garfunkel, but like Paul Simon, like those like the great singer songwriters. Because he comes out and gives you this amazing music, and then we see him and we can't, like, oh, well, that doesn't work, you know? <laughs> I was like, is that? What's way is that? David Crosby wasn't good looking, you know? <laughs> yeah, but he was around in the late 60s to early 70s as far exactly. as. Exactly. So as it's an like, artist. you know, you could look like that back then, you know? <laughs> And it's okay, but you know. Um, so I know you've also heard uh, uh, the President of the United States of America's cover of this. I have, yes. Uh, That's but, that re-sparked my interest in it in the early two thousands when we were when we were in school. Uh, that was played in the closing credits of the Wedding Singer. Oh wow! Okay. Their version of it, yeah. I'm just gonna sit down. And watch that this weekend, because <laughs> I've never seen the wedding singer, so I, I'm just gonna sit down and watch it. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, uh, that is "Video Killed the Radio Star" by the Bows. Even though like it's defined as an '80s song, it came out in like mm -hmm. 1978, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but they made a music video for it, so that's how that's how long it's been around from and their I just album. Love. That well, 1979, intro. but yeah, the album came out in 1980. So I think 1979 is technically when the song came out. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so my number four, I, I always forget where we are. Like that yeah, fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I found out recently that he produced this song. So I had to include... Uh, one of the more underrated bands of the 80s, ABC, and their song, Poison oh. Arrow. Yeah, I agree. They're probably one of the more... I don't, I don't really hear much about them, honestly. Uh, it's one. They're one of those bands that, you know, out of the UK, they're really... As far as pop music, the UK really had their own world some of them yeah crossed over to america but there are some that didn't cross over in the same way but they were still huge in the uk and abc yeah. is one of those bands 
Um, what I liked about this is that it has it has a disco sound, and this was like the post disco era, but this is in the UK where it could just evolve rather than die. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it had a. Um, uh, it's like an Italian disco type of feel or the post disco feel. Um, they are considered sophista pop as well. A lot of slick production. Uh, even though I think the band started off as like a punk band, and then Martin Fry, the lead singer, the way he sings, like okay, we can't we can't have a punk band with with his kind of vocals. <laughs> so they they made that pivot. Um, so I yeah that's that's pretty much why I I like this I like the 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 slick production of this song and this is that well a lot of their music is a lot of ABC's music and um, and I also like that they were kind of they're kind of emo as far as but it they doesn't seem like they make those kind of songs yeah um. Let me see if there was um, Trevor Horn played the mini Moog bass and the TR-808 programming for the song and the famous drum machine and a Roland MC4 micro composer sequencer uh, wow something that cost $3,300 at the time Um, so yeah this from their album Lexicon of Love in 1982 uh, probably considered their biggest album and yeah did that have the look of love on it too yeah okay and um, there was another big song they had uh, All of My Heart I heard that in one of those Brat Pack movie, movies. I feel like it was in one of those. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that was my number four. So Ben, number three. All right. So my number three, I feel like this one was going to show up at some point on one of our lists. Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Um, Possibly one of the most successful greatest songs of all time up in that, in that realm. Um, 20 plus years later almost 30 years later this is a song that is you know this is my number three as well yeah okay Mm. yeah it's just one of those songs that like it's it's still got legs you know (laughs) yeah like it's still cited as as an influence on people people are you know people are still playing this song nowadays which is insane to me um when did this come out this came out in 94 I recently watched Batman Forever, by the way. I watched it on last Thursday night. (laughs) I was doing some work in my basement, and I just put it on. Still holds up, I think, at least. I like Batman Forever, even though Joel Schumacher, you know, did things to it. But um, (laughs) that's where that text message came from. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things, because he he said that about that, because, you know, the bat nipples. Yeah, and this one and in in it got worse in, uh, in Batman, Batman and Robin. And Robin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one was still, you know, there were still some Tim Burdisms there, but by Batman and Robin, it was like, yeah, it's it's all gone. 
Uh, all gone. And even though the, the, the song is associated with Batman Forever, um, probably some people may wonder, why was it nominated for an Oscar? Well, because it was featured the year before in the never-ending story three. I didn't know Stop they made it. a third one. Yeah. Wow. So it was re-released for the Batman Forever soundtrack. I thought it was just because I because of when the album came out. It wasn't it wasn't a song. It, it I mean it didn't qualify because it wasn't a song written for the film. Yeah. But it had been featured in another film before anyway, so it wasn't going to count then either. Um, so uh, of course this song reached number one in America and ten different countries. It did win the Grammy for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Male Pop Performance. Um, this is from Seal 2. I think there are like seven of these. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, so uh, it was also included in an episode of the British soap opera EastEnders. And there are two different versions of the video. Um... The Batman Forever one is the more tra- is the more epic yeah, one. That's yeah, that's the one everyone knows. Um, so yeah, it was definitely no, a song that was song. that was every that was everywhere when it came out. This is this is this was definitely a VH1 All Star. And this is his middle eight right here that yeah. Trevor wanted. Yeah, Trevor loves middle eights. Um, so he loved he loved that, but um. Yeah, apparently, like, even the harmonies, he talks about how, like, singing them over and over and over again. Because <laughs> he's like, this is before we had things like Pro Tools. And so he's like, I'm just sit- sitting there, just singing, singing, singing. Trevor was just, you know, was relentless. But apparently he did not want to do this song. Yeah. Because he thought it sounded very medieval. So he just wrote it and just, you know, but he had friends who could say, hey, you should that Kiss from a Rose song, that song, that song, that song. Until he finally showed it to Trevor Horn. I was like, yeah, let's do this, dude. Because he had that vision. <laughs> so uh, that was your number three. That was my number three. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, your number two. Yeah. So I waited to gush about this one. It's Don't Cry by Seal. Um my God, I love this song. <laughs> we'll, play um, we'll play it again. <laughs> so I heard this song kind of right after hearing Kiss from a Rose. And I was like, Seal's having a moment. Like, I thought it was odd, though, that they were both kind of in that 6-8 kind of feel. So I thought that was interesting. Um, but, like, it's one of those songs that, like, to me, has, like, a really, has some really nice buildups. You got the shuffle, the six-eight shuffle in the verses. Then you have a, a little bit less of a shuffle, still a shuffle in the choruses. I love the bridge. It's a great bridge, a great middle eight, I guess I gotta say, for the sake of Trevor and, and Seal. And then at the end, where it just has the big drop, you just hear nothing but vocals, no drums. It's just, it's a beautiful song. Um, one of those songs that I've kind of been trying to recreate my entire life. I don't think I ever will. I've stopped trying. <laughs> but I just love the way it's done. Like the instruments, the drums sound huge. Yeah, it's everything. I just love everything about this song. Yeah. I think one one thing, like I said, it's, this is an underrated musical marriage. 
um, yeah. where the songs it's like the song has to sound big to the the song sounding big is what fit seal's voice best yeah um and for someone to like have that kind of that kind of vision that kind of ear um yeah it really it really kind of makes uh this is what makes seal so popular around the world yeah. Like there, some people were a lot of people were able to connect to it in, in that way, and uh, he had a he has a mass appeal because of it, um, and just because he you know someone thought of or someone who already does it as far as how they produce everything's mm-hmm. big, <laughs> so yeah. to make it work with him like that's what um, has made uh, this song and, and other songs like successful, and that I mean that's what makes. It's what made Seal's career, basically. Mm, that note, man. I remember someone told me I sounded like Seal. I took that as the biggest compliment ever. <laughs> They're like, you kind of have a voice like Seal. I was like, you mean that? Like, you mean that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, those harmonies are beautiful, man. Mm, mm. Yeah. All right. So for uh, your... That was two, right? Okay. That's my number two. So my number two is actually your number one. Okay. Um, and that is Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Um, I'll say this off the bat. It's very interesting that he produced for a band he was previously kicked out of. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even think that. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so those who don't know, Trevor Horn was in the band, yes, for like one <laughs> album, and then they kicked him out, and uh, <laughs> then they brought him back to produce, uh, to produce nine hundred one two five, which this is what brought them into the mainstream. This album, particularly this song, um, this. It's, Especially in the the days of the early days of MTV, probably like the first five years, um, was when I want to I don't want to say that was like peak MTV, but it was like with the right visual, it could make your song a hit with the right yeah. visual. And with the visual for this song, it was like a a man who's in the 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 metaphorical rat race and um, and then you know eventually he it looked like it was going to be the storyline of the video was going to be a man about to jump off the roof and kill himself but then at the end he turns into a bird yeah yeah okay I remember I'm starting to remember now yeah it's a very weird video but they're a weird band too so yeah it was you know it's art house. I know it's an art house concept. <laughs> I don't know who directed it. Yeah, well, I mean, it. they're. Yeah, they're. I mean, some people I think might forget they were a prog rock band. Yeah. So, like, think, you know, Genesis, think early Deep Purple, think, you know, <laughs> they were that kind of band. And this was kind of a departure for them. And I feel like they kind of kept trying to recreate it even after that. And it's hard to do that when that's not like what you are you know <laughs> like it's a flash in the pan like you did it all right cool that's that's all we really needed you know um 
Well, like I said before, a lot of bangs and zooms in this. Um, a lot of weird sounds, yeah. And that part, the 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 middle eight that just played. Um, yeah. I, I don't one know. My favorite, one of my favorites of all time. That was, it was meant to be. I don't know if it was Trevor Horn or John Anderson wanted a Motown sounding bridge. So that's what I, that is. Okay, okay. They wanted okay. something that sounded like Motown. Um, Interesting. And in this, um, and also with the extra, the like the some of the extra sounds. I remember it had a. Um, uh, at West Georgia, a guy named David who lived down the hall from me in Row Hall. Uh, he was a fan of Yes, but okay. at the at the beginning of the song where they where it's like that dun, 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 it's like he says I hate that part. <laughs> I remember saying like that's the only part what? of the song I don't like. <laughs> it's it was, it was extra. It was extra. It was <laughs> it was it was it was like an extra sound but then you know reading later like that's how trevor horn produces as far as like that's what he he will add those things to a song uh to yeah. make it stand out a little bit more um and i like that they brought back that the motown middle eight at again at the end of the song yeah. here god i love that ah oh, so good it's so good and, so I don't think yeah. I realized that Steve Howe was not in the band at this time, but it was Trevor Rabin. I don't think I realized that. I was like, that mm. makes so much sense because this is not the way that <laughs> Steve Steve Howe was known for using a lot of harmonics. Um, love the like, yeah. This is okay. That makes sense though, because the guitar on this and the song is so clean, and that's my favorite part of the song. Like, you only get the main riff played on guitar once which is a crazy thing if you think about it. It's a great riff. You only get it played once for the remainder of the song is carried by the bass and you just get these crazy arpeggiated guitar parts, almost similar to what, um, what uh, what's his name? Um, not a yeah, Andy Summers did on Every Step You Take. Like you just get that arpeggiated guitar sound and then this crazy guitar solo with like a ring mod on it. Like you just get these just <laughs> weird sounds. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's production masterclass and making, taking a bunch of weird sounds and just somehow making them cohesive and sound like a song. Somehow he did it and it, it sounds great. And then you get that bomb ass middle eight, man. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah, that's, it's. That that's my the middle eight uh, is the is definitely my favorite part of the song, and it's um yeah I agree with you like it, this is it's one of the one to study like production and kind of the things that you can actually do if you like just try things if yeah you, yeah try things out um, try to make something bigger than what it is because I think that's that's something I think underrated as far as what attract people to, to music, the songs that they like, especially with rock bands, if they, if it sounds, you know, epic and orchestral, but without being like, um, it's hard to do that and not be a prog rock band, I guess, <laughs> as far as like things can go on for too long. You know, we don't need the five minute guitar solo 
or tell that to Jethro Tull. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, they're dedicated fan bases, but if you want the song on the radio, yeah, no, it just makes the, sense though. Yeah, that he played on that. Trevor Rabin played on all the song, all, all the albums where they weren't that type of band. You know, <laughs> was he there? Um, was he there? Phil Collins. Although there were some some long songs early in that Phil Collins era. And I think he was just like, guys. Well, yeah, maybe the first album. on the radio? The first like, or second radio album with, like... with him as the lead singer, yeah. But uh, uh, after They're that. Like, but we like long songs. Like, bro, but I want to, <laughs> you know, I got this song called Invisible Touch. Like, maybe we try. <laughs> We're trying to make some money, guys. We can, maybe we, we can try it, it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um. So my number one, uh, I come back to it, uh, one for the vocals and then how it sounds big and then at some points quiet. But I think the the thing that I like most about the song are the, the vocal arrangement is what stands out the most to me. And that is Leave It by Yes. Ooh. Uh, okay, okay. Are you familiar with this song? I believe I am, yes. Yep. That's the one I'm thinking about. Which album was this off of? This was also on 90125. Okay. This was the second single, I think. Yeah. So, with the what they did vocally, I don't know if it was everyone singing or not. Um, but there was a, a focus on that and also on, um, having that sound. You don't even need that, but <laughs> you don't need that, 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 that snare hit before the first verse, but he put it in there anyway. Yeah. It, it made it, it made it work. It made it like stand out. It keeps pushing the... It makes the it pushes the song forward, you know. Um, I've not heard this in a very long time. This is wild. <laughs> and uh, compared to compared to their uh, to owner of a lonely heart, this was this was a, a bare bones type of video um, where basically they're all standing in a line, and everything is everything was done post production where it's like okay, we're gonna have it was basically like different uh, transition effects. The band did not move. <laughs> it was just different transition think, I've never effects seen the video. where they'll be upside down or it's stretched out or everyone moves okay. left or everyone moves right um, or they get flipped around. Uh, but the band is just standing there. Um, and that was that's what the whole video was. <laughs> so compared to Owner of a Lonely Heart, I don't know if they blew the budget or something. <laughs> I don't know if only her like visual effects and everything. Um, so yeah, everything everything was just the visual effects. Uh, like I said, there there was a lot of a lot done with the with the vocal arrangement then. Um, and there's a I know there's a middle eight coming I think after this chorus. Um, and oh, okay. I'm seeing some pictures here. I kind of wondered why. Um, 
I tried to look up like covers of it or like acapella groups covering it. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those songs that could be like a standard in those circles. And um, it never, it never, uh, I, I haven't seen, I haven't heard it yet. I haven't heard anybody do it, like do it yet. You would think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite 80s songs, and I think the vocal mm-hmm. arrangement is is probably one of my favorite ever. Um, no, it's good. Yeah. It's man, it's it's. I don't know how long it's been since I've heard this. I feel like I've got it on one of my pop rock playlists though. <laughs> That and um, there's another song by them too from this era, not this album, but this era that I have from them. This is their poppiest era, you know. Yeah. I mean, like I like Roundabout, but this was when they were, I don't know. I feel like in their bag. So that's what the kids say, I think, in their bag. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> uh, at least Trevor Horn was, I thought. Oh yeah, definitely Especially with for this sure. album. And like I said, for him to like come back and produce them after they kicked him out. <laughs> uh, and it was probably because he was trying to make them a little more poppy and like, we don't need all these extra sounds. And then when they, he got the call, like, oh, mm, y'all need those extra sure sounds. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, those are our lists. Um Maybe we did leave a couple of things on the table. Um, let me see what else we might have. Um, what else we might have left out there? Uh, well, he produced Art of Noise. So uh, Moments in Love and Beatbox. I remember hearing Moments in Love and a PSA about safe sex. That was weird. Um, that is weird. <laughs> Uh, the Look of Love and All of My Heart by ABC. Uh, mm-hmm. He pro- he produced Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. Mm. Um, co-written by Bob Geldof. Um, <laughs> uh, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome by Frankie Says. Frank Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, oh, All the Things She Said and Not Gonna Get Us by Tattoo. Remember Tattoo? I do. I also remember someone on our floor at Rao who said that video made them uncomfortable. I ain't going to call him out. Don't worry. I think I know who that is, but we'll talk <laughs> off air. Um, <laughs> he also produced uh, Belfast Child for Simple Minds. Uh, it's All Right by the Pet Shop Boys. He produced for Paul McCartney. Um, oh, we could probably just end the show with the song. I don't think either of us had Crazy by Seal. It was it was in the top ten. I like that song, but I like some of the other ones better. Um, he produced from the Tina Turner's album Wildest Dreams. He also produced her cover of Missing You. Um, Missing You by um, John Waite. Yeah. You know she did she. You know she. Covered I didn't know that she song, covered. Right? Yeah, I did not. I'm gonna listen to it after we record. Yeah. Wow. It's um, a good song. Oh, a song that I thought would be on your list for sure. Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Rimes. Also top 10. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was going to be on your list for sure. I love that song. Uh, Get It Together by Seal. 
Step Into My Office Baby by Belle and Sebastian for all the indie heads out there. Um, If You're Out There by John Legend from his Evolver album. It wasn't a single, but um, Mm -hmm. I like that one. Uh, Bodies by Robbie Williams. Um, Life on the Dance Floor by Seal. Now, here's a song I think I might have that might have slipped by me, which is Rhythm of My Heart by Rod Stewart. Yeah. Um, that one slept by me because that's that's a song I was listening to that song last week. I don't even think I realized he produced it. And he has a cover of uh, Downtown Lights for people who are familiar with the Blue Nile. Um, that their song, The Downtown Lights, was covered by Rod Stewart and his version was produced by Trevor Horn. And also Windy Town, which I think is right, a cover yeah. of Spandau Ballet. That I don't know, but that's a good song as well. I like adult contemporary Rod Stewart. He much more than I like rock Rod Stewart, which is probably weird to people, but eh. (laughs) like, I don't think I was other than like Maggie may and you wear it. Well, I didn't know faces. I didn't know little faces, like any of the stuff he did in like the seventies as like a rock singer, never heard it. (laughs) (laughs) Ali knew, Ali knew like, you know, like forever young and, further uh, you know present <laughs> rod stewart yeah i think um yeah i i think the only songs like pre pre-80s rod stewart it was like do you think i'm sexy and uh um, yeah didn't know that one until later that was the only one i knew and then after that it was forever young yeah i i discovered a lot of this stuff when i started playing with that 70s band because we covered um Stuff by by Faces and the Rod Stewart band with Jeff featuring the late great Jeff Beck. But um I was like, oh, these are cool songs. I would have never known them. <laughs> <laughs> Rod Stewart, but Rod Stewart's a great singer, so yeah. Oh man, I did not realize that. Vagabond Heart's a good album. That nineties art. I'm telling you, man, that nineties Rod Stewart, man. Mm. Yeah, you'd definitely be on the um well, like I said, adult contemporary Rod Stewart. Yeah, uh, he. Um, but the thing that's funny is even with like faces, and then the the rock disco era, then through the eighties, and it's the, it was the same audience the whole time. <laughs> they just grew, they grew with them. It's the same audience. <laughs> I still think that um, if you think I'm sexy, song. I don't know, man. I feel like that at this point, that's kind of cringe. Like yeah. of all the disco songs, like I feel like I'm trying to think of an artist nowadays that were like, if they did a, a type of music, we think it was cringe. I think that was him kind of reaching for an audience that really like stay in your lane type thing. Yeah. Like he just did not belong in disco, but yet here he is. <laughs> it might have been something like just trying to try it because that's what was popular at the time. Do you remember... Yeah. Um, well, you watch Tales from the Tour Bus with the episode about James Brown. They mentioned it for like what maybe been like 15 seconds. But James Brown made a disco album trying to oh, keep snap. up. I don't think I knew that. They mentioned the disco yeah. album. Um, and I think some artists maybe tried to have like a disco tinge to their music uh, like Blondie. Yeah. Heart of Glass is a disco song no matter. Yep. Oh no! Yeah, no matter is. how I'll you fight try somebody to spin it, 
Heart of Glass is a disco song. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that will do it for our um, um, Because Five, Trevor Horn. So, um, my earworm is, uh, I should have just put it on the list because now I got to go through. This is from my Alternative Melodies playlist, which has uh, over 200 songs on it because I just keep adding to it and not really um, putting it in any kind of order or anything. Um, (laughs) I... um, Give me a second. I'm still trying to to find it because this isn't in alphabetical order. Okay. So, um, I don't know much about the band, but I think I saw them on VH1 once. Um, band called Silver Sun Pickups. Familiar with them? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, this is a song that I like that they uh, put out uh, called Nightlight. And when did this, when did this come out? 2015. Cause they had that song, um, panic switch, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that song as well. Um, yeah. this song, uh, nightlight, I don't know if it was a single or anything, but just listening to some other, other songs, um, this one stuck out to me. So this is nightlight by silver sun pickups. And we'll be right back. is Nightlight by Silver Sun Pickups from their album Better Nature from 2015. And you can find that on our BTTYHT Earworms of the Week playlist on Spotify right now. Well, well, hold on. Not right now, Not yet, but I'm adding it to the playlist. Okay, now it's on there. <laughs> So that will bring us to the end of this episode. Um, what should we end the show with, 
mention crazy, mention uh, missing you, Bettina Turner. Um, I would like to know. hear that actually. All right. Oh no, le- moonlight. Yeah, yeah. Can't Let's go with moonlight? that. Can't fight the moonlight. All right. Can't fight the moonlight. Uh, From by, the blockbuster film, uh, Coyote, Coyote Ugly. Ugly. <laughs> All right. They tried to jumpstart the film career of who? Of um, Piper Parabo. Thanks. Wasn't uh, was it Timothy Oliphant in that movie too? I think so. I think did John Goodman play her father? <laughs> Hold on, this see. film. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I I used to love this movie because I mean I was a you know, I was a hot blooded teenage boy back when this came out. But oh god, guess who produced it though? Joel Schumacher, Bruckheimer. Oh, Bruck- <laughs> Bruckheimer Films. Get Bruckheimer on the phone. Um, yeah, Piper Parabola, Adam Garcia was the male lead. Um, Maria, Maria, Bello. Maria Bello. Yeah, John Mel Goodman. Linsky, John Goodman played her dad. Tyra Banks, Bridget Monahan. Yeah, Leanne Rhimes played herself. John Fugel sang, as in the. Uh, what did he host? Did he host America's Funniest Home Videos? Yes. I do not recall. For well, for one season. Um, <laughs> I remember him hosting that show. And there was something else that I feel like he, he had hosted. Um, and wait, there was another name I just saw. Michael Bay John, as the photographer. As a photographer, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man. John Goodman is a national treasure. <laughs> he was, have you seen him? Have you seen him flight? Yeah. He was he my was second hilarious. favorite thing in flight. He was, he was hilarious so in flight. <laughs> After, I will say this. I know we kind of talked offline about the big Lebowski and how I wasn't a big fan of the movie. I kind of felt like he was playing almost a version of that character in, in flight. flight. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was like, yeah, let's just, yeah. It was, he was great though. He was easily my favorite part of it other than Denzel. Great, great. He's great. He's awesome. The scene, the scene where he comes in after like the, the morning of the court hearing to get him ready, to get him ready. (laughs) That's a scene that should be studied by any actor. (laughs) It's so good. Have you seen the right? Have you seen the righteous gemstones? No, I haven't watched it. Is that good? I suggest you watch. I, a plus, a plus. No, yeah, he's in good. it, and um, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Anything, anything he does is good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. All right, so um, "Can't Fight the Moonlight" by Leanne Rhymes from the seminal film Coyote Ugly. And. I thought this was produced by Max Martin, honestly, but I would have guessed that too. Uh, but yeah, we're going to end the show here. Thank you all for listening or watching on the stream, wherever you are. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you very yeah. soon. Peace. Peace. <laughs>